We're inching closer to the meaning of life, and these days it's as much through literature as it is music. Hi, I'm Ted Canova, and welcome back to my podcast, That One Lyric, where fans choose a lyric and describe how it has shaped and impacted their lives. Who wasn't captivated by Stevie Van Zant sitting down to talk about his new book? It was poetry in motion, whether he was talking with Bruce or our previous podcast guest, Mitch Slater. And lo and behold, without even planning it, poetry flavors our second episode in a row. Last time it was Paulina, a poet and Springsteen fan living in the Netherlands, who chose a lyric from Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark that led her to her path. I wasn't a popular girl. Really wanted to change so much about myself. There's something happening somewhere. Baby, I just Now on to another episode with poetry as a backdrop. Let's meet Dan, another one of our fans in the UK. Dan chose that one lyric that takes us from ordinary moments to ones that make life worth living. Hi, Dan. Welcome to the show. How are you and where are you today? Hi, Ted. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm good, thank you. And I'm in the UK and uh, I live north of London in a, a little apartment that I call Signal Hill, which I think Springsteen fans will appreciate. Very fitting. Before we get into your incredible story, part of it resembles Springsteen. I want to know, Dan, what was your first exposure to the music of Bruce Springsteen? That would have been back in about 1977 when I was at college. I had a good friend who was like my musical guru who played me all kinds of stuff. He was just a year older. He gave me a compilation mixtape which included Born to Run, just that one track. I enjoyed it, I loved it, but for some reason I didn't go further until 1978 when Darkness on the Edge of Town came out and that was the turning point for me. What other music was on that mixtape? Do you remember? It was all kinds of things. I wish I still had it. My friend was into all kinds of things. He was very open-minded so there was a lot of punk and new wave like the Flaming Groovies and Eddie and the Hot Rods. So Born to Run was Possibly a little bit of an odd one out amongst that stuff. Do you remember what it was like listening to that mixtape? I was very impressed because the song was so unusual and complex, you know, especially because I realized that it was a single and it didn't strike me as something because of its complexity and length. It was something that would get much airplay in, in the UK at the time. I think I just found it fascinating because it was like nothing I'd heard before. I couldn't really compare it to anything. Dan, do you know how many times you've seen Bruce live? Yes, I've kept count, and <laughs> it's <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, considering that I started in 1981, it's now 205 times. Oh my gosh, you know... <laughs> Dan, I hear from fans of this podcast that are so envious of people like you. I am too, by the way. (laughs) Dan, what was that first one like? The first one was really quite an experience. This was in Frankfurt in Germany in 1981. And it almost happened by accident because I was expecting not to see him until he came to the UK. But the next thing I knew is I was invited literally by a ticket arriving in the mail, just 
came from a pen pal in Germany saying, here's your ticket for Frankfurt. And this was just a few days before. Well, then I decided I was out of work. I had no money. And I decided I have to go to Frankfurt. <laughs> what a perfect time to go see a Springsteen concert. Out of work with no money. <laughs> exactly. I had my little homemade fanzine with me. And I thought, well, I can sell a few copies as I go if I meet other fans. And that will probably make things okay. I hitchhiked and I arrived in Frankfurt the day before the show. It was perfect timing. You mentioned the fanzine. You were ahead of your time, or at least ahead of our time, you know, with the internet and all the fan groups that are out there. In the 80s, you actually started something to connect Bruce with fans. Tell us about it. Yes, I was aware of American fanzines at the time. There was a groundbreaking one called Thunder Road that only lasted for a few issues, but it was something that I was able to get by mail order, you know, in, in the UK. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if we had something like this over here? And there was a guy that had advertised in the music press that he was going to start a, a British Springsteen fanzine, but it seemed to be taking a long time and I was getting impatient. This is in the summer of 1980. So I thought, I'll start something myself. And <laughs> And I just put a few bits and pieces together that I had found and advertised it again in the music press. That was the way you did things at the time. Before I knew it, people were writing to me and sending me postal orders, <laughs> stamped addressed envelopes, and I was sending out fanzines. You know, you did really well in the mail. You got your ticket for the first Springsteen show. You were getting fans who were subscribing or at least asking for you to send them some of the fanzines. You did very well before the internet. <laughs> I did. I was very lucky. As I said, the timing was extraordinary. All right, Dan, let's transition. From what song did you choose that one lyric from? Well, I have chosen Racing in the Street. Bruce has said that Racing in the Street is one of his favorite songs, and Springsteen biographer Dave Marsh has called the song the line of demarcation separating casual Springsteen fans from the fanatics. I would definitely agree with that. Why do you think that song resonates? with fans like us. I got a 69 Chevy with a 396. I think it's something that's universal that so many people can relate to. What is that one lyric you picked from Springsteen's Racing in the Street? Some guys come home from work and wash up and go racing in the street. Some guys come home from work and wash up and go I was studying English at college back in 1978, and my mother, who was a poet, she was a huge fan of T.S. Eliot, and she got me interested in his poem, The Wasteland. Just by chance, I came upon some lines in that which I thought were strikingly familiar. I'll read those to you. The typist, home at tea time, clears her breakfast, lights her stove, and lays out food in tins. And this gave me the idea of a, of a scene that sounds ordinary and everyday. I thought to myself at the time, that sounds like something that I've heard Bruce say. And I had to check it out, and I realized that those lines in Racing the Street seemed very similar. But the difference was that Bruce was taking that idea further. After he's talking about the mundane routine of washing up, there's the possibility of, of salvation. Tonight, tonight. And so he offers a vision of a complete life in just two lines, both the humdrum and everyday life, and then these moments of fulfillment. The message is, even if you have a real dead-end life, there are moments that make that life worthwhile. I love that you picked this lyric, because the lyric that precedes it, some guys, they just give up living and start dying little by little, piece by piece. It's like, oh, and you turn the corner, it's true, you could really combine the two, Ted, because the whole album is all about coming of age 
and accepting the harsh realities of life. But I think the important thing that Bruce wants us to take from it is that, yeah, life can be hard, life can be mundane, you know, you can be downtrodden, but there are always the chance of these moments, and that's the, that's the hope that he's offering. I think this is one of his hallmarks of his genius, if you like, and I, I would call it genius, because it's extraordinary to think that he probably wrote this age 26, 27, and you think, how could someone that age have that kind of perspective on life? I often look at the comparison of different songs that Bruce has written, and as Racing in the Street progresses, he hearkens the porch of her daddy's house, and we know the famous porches in different songs. He talks about rumbling through this promised land. In Racing in the Street, the highway's bright to the river. Both songs still end with something bright. It's interesting, I hadn't thought too much about the similarities between the river and the highway until you mentioned it just now, but they're very much kind of parallels, aren't they? Because they're both these channels that lead somewhere. And so, you know, you can follow a river and it'll take you somewhere. You follow a highway, it'll take you somewhere. The thing that I'm focusing on in those final lines here is that the time is right. In other words, he's saying now is the moment, not in the past. You know, leave the past behind. Don't worry about the future. Seize the moment now. The time is right. I get riveted by this song, especially the last two minutes, where it's just the instrumentals. It's haunting to me. It's like, I don't want that to end. It really transports and transfixes me. I would have to agree with that because it's one of those songs that live, especially, it can feel like it's different every time. And it's also an example that I give to people when they ask me, what do I think is so special about the E Street Band? And say, well, listen to the live version of Racing in the Street because that ending, as you say, is just extraordinary. Yeah, I I have to catch my breath right now. Dan, thank you really for enlightening me and our listeners to Racing in the Street and having inspiration of a song that would seem would have little of it. Yes, it's absolutely my pleasure to talk through this with you, Ted. And like I say, I've lived with for must be about 43 years now. And it just shows that, you know, you can get something fresh anytime just by giving it another listen, discussing it with somebody else, looking at it from a different perspective, revisiting it. And that's the beauty of the music of people like Bruce. We get songs that you can live your life to and find something new along the journey as you go. Well, Dan, thanks so much for being part of that one lyric. I really enjoyed meeting you. Likewise. Thank you so much, Ted, for the opportunity. And thank you also to Jesse for introducing us. It's been great. Yes, thanks to Jesse Jackson, our friend and host of the podcast, Set Lusting Bruce. Without Jesse, we would have never heard Dan explore that one lyric from Racing in the Street. Some guys come home from work in Something that's not ordinary is Dan's fanzine that started 40 years ago during the River's European tour. It's music treasure, so go download it from our website, thatonelyric.com. While you're there, check out our merchandise and leave a rating and review to enter a raffle to win a hat or t-shirt. And please keep sharing our podcast with your friends and fellow fans. Yes, some may roll their eyes that we can actually talk about one lyric But who cares? We're not apologizing for our fandom. I'm glad you joined me, that you're part of our community, and that you enjoyed that one lyric. I'm Ted Canova. As I say to End the Tour podcast, music makes it all better. See you next time.